Well, good morning, everybody. Glad to see you all here. Uh, for those that are listening online, glad that you can join us as well and like to welcome you. Uh, for those who don't know, especially those listening online, I am Joshua Verwers, lead pastor here at Full Faith Church. Today, we're wrapping up our series, My Skin, Racial Reconciliation. And this is a message, uh, actually, on the way over, I was talking to mom about this, and I said that um, I've had this one written for a little over a week. It was completely finished and ready to go. However, yesterday, when I was kind of going back through the notes, I really, <laughs> really don't want to deliver this message. Um, I, I really don't want to deliver this type of message, and I don't know if it's because this isn't the uplifting, cheerful Sunday morning message that you may be expecting or used to. Um, although, in all fairness, this series really hasn't been. This series for me, looking at what the Bible says, especially when it comes to racial reconciliation, has been, hmm, I don't know, like having to go out and find my own switch to have it used against me. It's that added little punishment because it's like, you know you're already gonna get you know, punished for it, but now you gotta use your own switch and you gotta pick it. And, and if you don't get the right size, you gotta go back again, but you're still gonna get swatted with that first one. And so you wanna get it right the first time so that way you lessen the punishment. And that's kind of how this has been. I don't, wanna, I don't want God to have to keep correcting me over and over and over again because I haven't looked at skin color the way that he looks at skin color. I don't want him to keep correcting me because I'm silent when there is people out there that are hurting and crying out and I'm just sitting idly by. I don't want God to correct me by saying, Josh, I, I told you to love your neighbor, but you haven't been very loving. I don't want any more of that correction. And so I know I need to get it right the first time, or maybe the third time, or I've lost track of how many times this is. See, a lot of this here in 2020, this racial reconciliation, it really started, and I think it captivated all of our attention. Like, it wasn't the first, but this was like the thing that set it off, that all of a sudden opened everybody's eyes. I'm talking about the death, the murder of George Floyd. That video was hard for me to watch for multiple reasons. I mean, first, just, just on the surface, to see a man die before my eyes. That's, that's hard to watch, it's, it's hard to stomach. To see the moment where his, his life leaves his body. But what hit me even harder was watching that video and seeing all of the people that were around on the street. And nobody did anything. Nobody stepped in. And I understand these are police officers that are on them. But right's right and wrong's wrong and somebody should have stepped in. Somebody should have done something. And yet when I say that and I think about that, I can't help but to put myself in that situation and say, would I have actually stepped in and done something? 
Or would I have been too afraid that maybe that violence from the officers would have turned on me? Would I have been afraid of my safety to the point that I wouldn't have actually acted and responded? Would I have been afraid of imprisonment and because of that I didn't want to do it? Or would I just not want to be another person on film that goes viral for everybody to judge my every waking action like I am now judging those who stood by innocently? You see, these are the questions that that like plagued my mind and really bothered me and, and it led me to a lot of self-reflection. But not just self-reflection and looking at myself through the eyes of the world, but looking at myself through the lens of God's word. And all of a sudden I started to see that in many of these moments I have come up short. I have fallen short. I have not been that person that is vocal for those that are hurting as well as I could be. Do I stand up for those that are hurting? Well, sure. When the cost of it isn't too great. And so these are the things that, that I was sitting here and I was thinking about. And as I'm, I'm studying and I'm preparing this message, all of a sudden I, I, I stumble upon this, this little bitty book in, in the Old Testament. One of the prophets, Amos. And I read that and, oh man, Smack me upside the head. Did this hurt? Did this hurt? So what I want us to do today is I want us to look at this because I, I understand that misery loves company. So you guys get to <laughs> suffer with me. No, so, but seriously, I, I want us to look at this because I, I often wonder if all of our How do I word this? If, if in everything that we do, we may be doing good things, but are we doing the right things? Because just because it's good doesn't mean that it's always what God wants. And if it's not what God wants, then it may not be right. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Amos. And I want you to go to chapter 5. In Amos chapter 5 there's this, this warning. This warning, this call for repentance, this Holy Spirit-inspired whooping. Um, I, don't, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, and I'm hoping that, here, here's my ultimate hope. For each and every one of us that is listening to this message, I'm hoping that when we leave here, we don't leave feeling condemned, but we leave feeling convicted. <coughs> feeling convicted in such a way that leads us to repentance to the point that we are then fully operating in the grace of God to do better than what we've done. Because if we don't believe that we can do better, then we think that we're already perfect, and by God, you need a wake-up call because that is an arrogant way of thinking. We can all do better. Amos chapter 5. I want us to start here. Let's just start with, with verse 11, actually. Verse 11 of Amos 5, it says, Therefore, because you tread down the poor, you take grain tax from him. Though you have built houses, hewn stone, 
of hewn stone, yet you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine from them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking bribes, diverting from the, or the poor from justice at the gate. Therefore, the prudent keeps silent at that time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. So the Lord God of hosts will be with you. As you have spoken, hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. It may be the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, the Lord God of hosts, the Lord says this, there shall be wailing in all streets and they shall say in all the highways, alas, alas, they shall call the farmer to mourning and skillful lamenters to wailing. In all vineyards there shall be wailing, for I will pass through you, says the Lord. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be as a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Or as though he went into the house, leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit, bit him. It's not the day... Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? See, oftentimes we as Christians, we look forward to the return of the Lord. We look for the day of the Lord and we're told to look for the day of the Lord. We're told to look at his coming, at his second coming, as his reappearing. But I think oftentimes we forget that there is a gravity to what happens when he comes back because judgment is upon us. Each and every one of us. Judgment is there and it's based on our works. It's based on what we've done. You see, I think often what's going to happen is there's going to be those who falsely think of themselves as religious and they're going to be sorely disappointed when they're looking for their rewards because all they're going to find is rejection. They have been religious, they have been going through the motions, but they have not been in a relationship with Jesus to the point that it actually calls them and causes them to be like him. The message translation of verse 18, it says, Woe to all of you who want God's judgment day. Why would you want to see God, want him to come? Because when God comes, it'll be bad news before it's good news. The worst of times, not the best of times. How many times have you heard people say, well, only God can judge me? Now, come on. Anybody that says only God could judge me, I'm just going to say this very bluntly. That should scare the hell out of you. <laughs> I mean... Seriously, you think you're upset at my judgment? Oh, wait until God's judgment hits you. And there's a whole lot of Christians that God's judgment should scare the living hell out of them. Because there's a whole lot of them that are sitting in pews every single Sunday morning and they are not acting like Christ. They are not doing it. And I'm sitting here and I'm, and I'm reading this and I'm seeing this. This is from God. 
Verse 16 says, therefore, the Lord, God says this. God is saying, you best watch out because you're ready for me to come back, but you don't know what's going to hit you when I come back. I think about like kids when all of a sudden, you know, the parents are gone, they're gone, and we've got the house all to ourselves, and all of a sudden they start running a muck, a muck, a muck, a muck all over the house. You show up without warning. Oh man, they're gonna hide. They wanna well, will you just call me and let me know when you're on your way back? That way I've got a few minutes to pick up the big mess I made. That way I can make sure to do the chores that you told me to do in the last five minutes instead of, you know, the first five hours. <laughs> it's like, I mean, and hey, I've, I've been there. I've done it. This is what I was doing. And I sat there and I think there's a whole lot of Christians that are like this. And if you think your earthly parents' punishment for disobedience is bad, you have not read your Bible. God's punishment. God calls himself in the Old Testament, Elkanah, the jealous God. He calls himself Elkanah, I am a jealous God, an all-consuming fire. And when we're talking in this context of Amos, how these people, these religious people, have turned a blind eye to those who were down, to those who were facing injustice, to those who were facing poverty, and they did nothing to help them except for build their own earthly kingdoms. When we think about it in this context, if we realize how much God loves those that are hurting, how much those that are downtrodden, how much those that are poor, how much those that have injustice brought against them, if we understand how much God loves them, can you understand just a fraction of how much jealous fury God is going to have for those who went ahead and continued to perpetrate this type of a system against them? And I sat there and I'm like, church, wake up. Woe to you. And the first time I read this with, with these eyes open and this heart open to receive what it was that God was actually saying, man, did it feel like I was being scolded because all of a sudden I could think about those times when I didn't do enough, when I could have done more. And this isn't just something that's happened to me in the last few months. You can talk to my wife and she'll tell you this has been a years in the making. Now it's to the point that I'll put myself out for those who are already struggling to the point that sometimes the kids and her will even feel unsafe when I just pull over on the side of the road to help out a stranger. Or I see somebody walking and I want to pull over and give them a ride. I have not done a thorough background check on them, but that's okay. And when I sit here and I think, I can't, we can't continue to turn to this blind eye. We can't do it because Jesus has not called us to that. Jesus has called us to love. Did Jesus turn a blind eye on people in his day? 
No. And the ones that the world rejected, the ones that the world said weren't good enough, those were the ones that Jesus went above and beyond for. When people were sick, when there were lepers, Jesus didn't care. You've rejected them. You've cast them out from your society. Well, guess what? I'm going to go in and I'm going to embrace them. When all of a sudden they want to start flaunting somebody else's sins and their misfortunes and, oh, hey, here's a woman. Look, we caught her in the act of adultery. What does Jesus say? I'm not going to condemn you. He shows her a better way and he loves on her. And then what he tells us is to love on people the way that he's loved. By this will the world know that you're my disciples because of your love, not because of your giving, not because of your church attendance, not because of raising your hands during worship, not because you were dunked in water, not because you put a little cracker on your tongue. None of that stuff is how the world is going to know you're his disciple. It's by your love for another person. And can we honestly say that we are loving people when we sit back and we don't do anything when they're hurting? Can we honestly say that we're loving people if all we've done is changed our social media profile picture? If all we've done is went to a rally and held up a piece of cardboard? Can we actually say that that is loving them? You see, real love inspires action. Because love, God is love. God is love. Love is, is more than just a feeling. It is more than just an emotion. It is more than just a word. It is more than just a verb. It's more than just an action. Love is a is, is a being. Love is who God is. The supreme being, the creator of the heavens and earth is God and God is love. He's telling us to love like him, to be like him, to act like him. I think the problem with the church is we don't know God. Because if we knew God, we would act like God. Oh, sure, we have a limited knowledge. And some have a less limited knowledge. But too many of us think, well, I mean, I've done pretty good so far. And we think that is justification to just stop and to be complacent and not to continue to be better, to continue to be more like God. <clears throat> Hold your place here in Amos. We're going to come back, but I want you to jump over to 1 John chapter 4. And Nancy, I want, if you can, I want you to back it up to um, verse 6 or 7. I think 6 is what I want. First John 4, 6, and I, I'm, I'm going to apologize if my reading of this sounds a little odd as I'm going through that. I have a hard time reading this passage without singing. Um, 
So just be prepared if it sounds a little off. Um, 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know that the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved. Hey, are you guys a beloved? Okay, so do you know who John is speaking to right now? Do you know who the Holy Spirit through John is speaking to right now? Mm-hmm. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. I made it and I didn't sing. I was, I was so close to putting a knoweth in there. <laughs> it's just, it was so close. I was like, knows. God is love. That's who he is. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. And because of that, we need to understand God's love a little bit more. Because he who doesn't love doesn't know God. And if you've read Matthew 7, you see what Jesus says. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. And these are people that are doing all of the right things. And yet Jesus says, I don't know you. Well, he doesn't know us if we don't know him. This type of a know is an intimate form of knowledge. And that's where I think there's many Christians, many people sitting inside the churches today, many people that are reading their Bible every single day, and all they have is a head knowledge but not a heart knowledge of God. They don't know God in a meaningful way that actually compels them to be like Him because they are of Him. Instead, they're just trying their best to walk according to, not Him, but His rules. John goes on, and I want you to see this down in verse 20. He says, if anybody says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. If you love God, you don't have a choice but to love your brother also. And that is not just your brother who has the same skin color as you. That is the brother from another mother but has the same holy father. And everyone we should be loving. God has created the human race in all of its splendor, in all of its beauty, with all of its skin shades and pigmentation. And we should be looking at those, embracing those, loving those, because they were made with such beauty by our Creator. And when we see anybody, anybody picking on one of our brothers, we should be the first ones to step in the way. See, I, I grew up with three other brothers. And I'll tell you right now, I will pick on them and they will pick on me, but ain't nobody going to pick on them that's not one of the brothers. 
you don't mess with my brothers. You mess with my brothers, you mess with me. You <laughs> see, that's this protective nature that is just in my DNA and I can't help it. Oh, oh sure, my brothers and I, we've got knocked down, drag out fights. But ain't nobody else going to do that. I don't, I don't care if they're my best friend. You come between my brother and it's on. It's on. I sat there and I think about this and why do we not have that same mindset when it comes to our brothers and sisters who share different pigmentation from us? Amen. When we see somebody mistreating them, be like, mm -mm, that's my brother. You don't mess with my brother. You don't mess with my sister. You got a problem with them, you got a problem with me. Why do we not do that? Is it because we think that society doesn't want us to? <laughs> You're right. Society doesn't want you to. Is it because we think that people are going to be upset if we do that? You're right. They're going to be upset at you. If you didn't realize, Jesus did this. He stepped in the way for all of his earthly brothers. All of those whom God had called. Every single one of them. He stepped in the way. But yet he put his own life on the line. And he says, they rejected me. They yelled at me. They cussed me out. And they killed me for it. But you know what? I love you. And that's why I did it. And yet we hear them before they've done anything. Before they've said anything. And we're ready to say something because we just can't, we just can't face this injustice any longer. But then we do nothing. And, and then we post a picture on social media for a day. And we use a hashtag for a couple weeks. And we maybe attend a rally or two. But we don't confront sin at the source. We don't confront injustice at the source. See, this, this thing that Amos is talking about, and you can flip back there, but what Amos is telling us, and what actually it's, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through Amos, he's trying to show us there's two different things that, that we need to be looking at judgment and justice. Because if we're not pursuing justice, there's judgment that comes towards us. If you've got Amos chapter 5, I want you to jump down here. We'll, we'll actually pick it up in verse 21. God speaking again says, I hate, I despise your feast days. I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. For I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. God's saying, and here's the thing, don't get me wrong. We know through scripture that worship pleases God. We know that offerings please God. We know that assemblies please God. We know this. But God right here is saying, when you have let injustice run and all you're thinking is, you know what? We showed up on Sunday. We acted like Christians. We did a great job. But the other six days of the week, we sure didn't act like it. That's when God is saying, no, because now I'm not pleased with those six days, which means I'm not even pleased with your seventh day. 
He's saying, you know what I really want? Seek justice. He's saying, seek justice. Righteousness. Let justice come down like water. Let it rain down. Let your righteousness flow like a mighty stream. I mean, man, when, I, when I'm thinking about this, I mean, this, this should be our passion. Justice, righteousness. Think about righteousness. It's the right thing. Coming to church is a good thing. But if you coming to church doesn't impact what happens when you leave church, it's not the right thing. It's just a good thing. And I would rather preach to a church of 10 people who do the right thing than a thousand people who just do good things. And you know why I can say that with confidence? Because that's what God says. Those thousand that are just doing the good things and just coming through and just, it's a ritual thing, but I'm not going to let it actually impact my life beyond those square walls. No, those, it does not please him. Because oftentimes it's like we're, we're coming to church and we're doing these good things because we think somehow that cancels out all of the bad things that I've done throughout the week. And maybe all of the things that I didn't do. So it's not like I did something bad. I just didn't do as good as I could have. James, to him that knows to do wrong or good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. Every single one of us, every single Christian knows that it is good to love your brother. If you don't know that, I would question whether or not you're a Christian in the first place. Why? Because God says, if you don't love, you don't know me. If you don't know him, how can you be a Christian? I mean, it's like, how, how can the body of Christ worship God on a Sunday and then ignore God's weeping throughout the rest of the week. Because when we're hurting, when our brothers are hurting, when our brothers are crying out, when our sisters are in pain, when there is injustice running among them, you best be sure that God is feeling their pain and he's weeping with them. He's mourning with those who mourn. And if we're ignoring that, but yet we come in and we try to worship God, I question whether or not that's really worship. We've got to do better. We've got to do better. I mean, it's like, we as the body of Christ, I think, as Christians in general, and even the secular world out there, we, we love a few scriptures in the Bible that are just kind of motivational things. And, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, often used out of context. And then Christians are like, oh, well, my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, often used out of context. See, the, the context, what lies right in the middle of Philippians 4.13 and Philippians 4.19 is Philippians 4.14, where the apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi, he says, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. When I was hurting, when I didn't have enough, when I couldn't make it, when I needed support, when I needed a helping hand, you did well because you were there for me. You didn't sit idly by. 
You had the resources and you used them and you'll continue to do that because my God will supply all of your need. And you need those resources to be able to help those who are in distress. <laughs> See, what I want us to do is, is not leave here feeling condemned. I want us to have a little bit of a conviction in, in being able to examine ourselves this week and say, okay, just acknowledge the fact I could have done more. I don't want you to beat yourself up about it and think about all of those ways that you missed the mark. Don't let Satan have a field day with that because that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to pull out all of those little moments. He's like, oh, you could have done this. And because you didn't do that, this happened. And then this happened. And then this happened. Oh, woe to you. No, you, you've heard God. You know, I can do better. What I want you to do is leave here thinking that I need to share in their distress. And my God will supply my need to be able to share in their distress. And so if I need courage to stand up, God's going to give me that courage. If I need the right words to say, God's going to give me the right words. If I need an open mind and an open heart, then God's going to give me that. I know he will give me, he will supply all of my need. We need to acknowledge that. We need to say, okay, I can do better. God, show me how to do better. Show me how to do the right thing. And then do it. Because what you will see, and I guarantee this because I've walked it out in my life, and every time I face one of these things, it doesn't have to be with, with racial injustice. It doesn't have to be with racial reconciliation. Any issue in my life that I face, when I have finally come down to the point that I understand I'm sorry that I missed the mark. God, show me how to not miss it again. Every single time, there are opportunities that start popping up in front of me for me to do the right thing. And I guarantee if you're willing to do that and you ask God, show me, teach me, help me, you're going to have the opportunities. And then just let the Holy Spirit guide you through them. Speak what needs to be said. Listen to what needs to be heard. And by God, just love people. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this time. I thank you for the power that's in your word. I thank you for the encouragement and support that's in your word. Father, I ask you that you would just kind of stir things up inside us. For those that are hearing this, that are listening to this message and they're thinking, you know what, I have, I, I know I, I could have done better. I didn't do the best that I could have done and, and I can always do better. For those that are, that are hearing that, that are feeling that, that are saying that, whether it's vocally or just in their heart, God, I just ask that you would supply the need for them, that you would provide those opportunities for them so that they can be that light in this dark world and so that they can start to show your love by their love for their brothers and sisters. Help them with that, Father. Help all of us. Father, I pray that those that have heard this message don't leave here feeling condemned, don't feel beat down, don't feel like they've been rejected from you because they are loved by you. And Father, we know that there is still time before your coming. And because of that, because the judgment day isn't upon us, we want to do better. And we want to do the right things, not just the good things. So help us, Father. Give us the strength. Give us the wisdom and give us the guidance we need.
We love you. We honor you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen.